0: Going to do this morning, we have a number of very serious prayer needs this morning. Courtney Campbell needs our prayers. It's so good to see Kathy with us this morning. Courtney's in the hospital and she she desperately needs our prayers. She's about had to deal with enough, I think. And so we need to we need to lift Courtney to the Lord this morning, ask for a significant touch in her body. Marie Skinner's daughter, Karen Vellis. Uh, Received a bad report this week. She's got two to three weeks to live. And uh, Karen needs our prayers. Marie needs our prayers too. I've said it many times. Parents were not made to bury their children. And I know many of you have had the unfortunate experience of having to deal with that reality. Talked to Marie last night and she's struggling with that. But she's encouraged by the fact that Karen's ready to meet Jesus. She's ready for the suffering, the pain to be over. And so we just need to pray for Karen and for the entire family that that God would just show up in in a comforting way for everything that they have to deal with. Continue to pray for Kenny Keith. Kenny needs our prayers. Beverly Olson going to be undergoing further testing in Dallas here in just a week or two. Bella Swartz, how many of you heard about Bella this week? Oh, poor kid, got her finger shut in the door. Thought they were going to lose the finger for a while, but they were able to do surgery, and I guess she's doing okay now, Uh, bless her heart. How many of you have ever done that? Let me tell you something, it's always wise to take your finger out before you shut the door. I figured that out the hard way. Need to also pray for Leonard's sister Karen. The Lord will continue to touch her body. So just a number of things that we need to pray about. Not the least of which is we need rain. And I, I mean to tell you, we need rain over a large area of our country. It, it's dry as far as about as far as you can go west. And God's always faithful. One of the advantages of having been a farmer for 16 years before I became a minister was I had to, and farming in southwest Kansas, I had to trust God for these kinds of things. (laughs) And He always came through. He never let us down. And He won't let us down this time. So let's pray for rain. Pray for rain every day until we see it fall from the sky. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, again, a multiplicity of needs very serious needs God Courtney just needs your touch Jesus she needs you to be her healer this morning to bring complete total healing to that body that suffered so much God I pray that you would encourage her that you would lift her up I pray dear Jesus this morning for Karen Lord as she faces what may quite likely be the last few weeks of life here on this earth. That is unless you choose to heal her God and as we just sang nothing is impossible with you. In fact you delight in doing what we think to be impossible. Lord I pray for Marie that you would just be with her in a very special way Lord as she deals with Karen's health issues. God just show up in a of a significant way in that entire situation. Lord, we continue to pray for Kenny Keith, for for Beverly Olson. Pray for little Bella this morning, dear God, that you would take away the pain and discomfort that she's experiencing. Lord, continue to touch Karen Dominguez. God, just, just show up in these situations. You are our healer. God, I I just pray that it's not just something that we talk about, but that we would see with our very eyes the healing that You can provide for each of these situations. God, we do pray for rain. We pray, dear Lord, that, that significant rain would come to a significant portion of our country, dear God, to break this drought, to break the threat of fires, God, we just we just need it so desperately. And of course, Lord, our entire nation, our entire world needs your touch. We pray for that little nation of Israel this morning. God, that you would bless and prosper them and protect them and, and bring them to the realization that you are their long-awaited Messiah. God, as we begin that annual trek toward celebrating Easter, Lord, may the the reality of your resurrection resonate in every heart and life. That grave is empty. And you are alive forevermore. And because you are alive, we have the hope of life with you forever. And we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for every person here this morning. Pray your blessing upon them pray dear god that you would speak profoundly to them as your word goes forth this morning especially thank you lord for all of those new faces that are with us this morning god i pray that you would you would uh encourage them and that you would minister to them and that before they leave this place this morning they would know beyond the shadow of doubt that they have been in your presence be with us through the furtherance of this service we pray in jesus name amen Know what's next? Shake hands with somebody because you're friendly. Would you do that? Well, it's good to see you this morning. Just wanted to show you something here. Our, our, uh, our banners are now available on a t shirt. This is mine, it's an extra small. What are you laughing at? (laughs) Jamie has said that she would make these for as many of us as want them, $12. Growing in grace. I love them. And so if you want one, let us know at the church office this week. We'll get in touch with Jamie and she'll get you hooked up uh, with a t-shirt. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Always good. And Thank you, Gary and Sharla, for the beautiful arrangement. I'm praying that it rains before these dry up and, and I, you know, uh, the eggs might hatch. I mean, but it's beautiful. Thank you. We are in part nine. You know, I told you when we started this sermon series a couple of months ago now that I was going to go at least through Easter. I've decided it may take a full six months. Because as I'm preparing these messages and experiencing the grace of God in my own life in unique and special ways, God just keeps pouring into me things that I, I know that that we can all benefit from. So just be patient. We're going to do the, the normal Easter thing with grace in mind. But uh, I hope you're enjoying these as much as I am preparing them. So uh, how many of you are familiar with... Max Lucado, one of the best Christian authors out there, and if you've ever been in my office and looked at my bookshelves, you'll see probably 10 or 12 of his books. Um, As I was preparing this message last Monday, I uh, couldn't help but think of a story that I read in this book of Max Lucado's entitled, In the Eye of the Storm, and I thought I'd just share it with you. It's not that long. Perhaps some of you have heard it before, but it kind of speaks to what I'm getting ready to share with you this morning. It's about Chippy the parakeet. Any of you ever heard this story? Chippy the parakeet. Well, good. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problem began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. But then the phone rang and she turned to pick it up. And she barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, opened the bag... And there was Chippy still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the blow dryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who'd initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just kind of sits and stares. It's hard not to see why. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from any heart. What a great story. You know what? I was very tempted to title this message. Washed up. Sucked in and blown over. Because I think that's how we sometimes feel. How many of you are having to deal with this thing called life? Well, it's better than the alternative. But life brings with it situations that can only be managed and, and dealt with through the grace that God provides us to deal with those things. I'd like for you to go with me in your Bible or on your Bible app to Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms. You know, I, I've caught myself thinking, uh, realizing that I say that about every Sunday, about every scripture that I've turned to. Uh, but this one's particularly... Uh, special to me. It's one of the first uh, I, I remember in, in junior Sunday school class. We memorized the entire 103rd Psalm. Now we memorized it from the King James version, and when I read it here in just a few moments, it's not going to sound like the one that I memorized. But and and you'll have to forgive me if I lapse into what's familiar to me. Uh, but it's it's such a great psalm, and it talks about how God's healing can make itself known in each of our lives when we feel like life has just overwhelmed us. Perhaps you'll remember the story of Job. Remember Job? Uh, Job sums up, I believe, the way many of us have felt about the hurts in life. You don't have to turn there, but in Job 7, Chapter 7, verse number 16. Job said, I will not give up. I will not live for." Er, he said, I give up. I will not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are a breath. What Job is literally saying is, I hate my life. I hate it. And you'll understand why when I tell you about a little bit more about it. But Job is saying, my life right now is meaningless. I hurt so bad. That I don't even want to live anymore. Anybody ever feel that way? Well, I hope not. But the reality is that there's probably some here in this room who have felt that way at one time or another. You see, the worst hurts, the worst hurts in life will not heal themselves. There are some hurts that will heal with the passing of time. But there are also some hurts that leave lasting pain, and if those hurts are left to themselves, they will never heal. Things like rejection, betrayal, abuse, injustice. Those kinds of hurts, if left over time, will fester and raise their ugly heads in our lives over and over and over again throughout the course of our lifetime. There's a need for healing. Now, I mentioned Job. Let me give you the rest of the story before we do Psalm 103. I said probably most of us are familiar with Job's story. Job was a very wealthy man for his time. He was well respected. He was faithful to God and in worship to God. And then all at once, everything was taken away from Job. And I do mean everything. His children were killed. His his many flocks and herds were were destroyed in what we would call today natural disasters. And on top of all of that, Job contracted a severe case of leprosy that afflicted him from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. You know, leprosy is still common in some of the third world nations today. But to describe it for those of you who may not be familiar with what leprosy is or how it works. It's like having painful boils attack your entire body. And it eventually causes the appendages of your body like your fingers, your toes, even your nose, even your ears to fall off horrible horrible disease and add to that that once you have contracted leprosy you're forced to leave your home you're forced to leave your family you are in that day and age you were not allowed to ever come close to a living soul ever again that's how dreaded the disease was very contagious You had to survive the elements by by living on the dung heaps that were piled outside of the villages. That at least allowed you to stay warm during chilly, cold nights. (laughs) And for old Job, it didn't just end there either. He had a nagging, negative wife. (laughs) When she witnessed all that was happening to her husband, she told Job, she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? No wonder that Job despaired for his life. But then, and I'm making the story the Reader's Digest condensed version, something amazing happened. By the time you get to the end of the book of Job, in Job chapter number 42, you'll find that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the earlier in other words this miracle that took place more than doubled everything that job had lost now in saying that i'm not saying to you this morning that joe that god is going to heal your hurt and bless you in the same way that he blessed Job. that's not what this is about you see, Job had wrestled with some assumptions about God and why or if God had allowed all of this stuff to happen to him. And he reached a point by the end of the book of Job where he understood God better than he ever had before. The psalmist David says in Psalm 147, verse number 3, He will heal the brokenhearted. He'll bind up their wounds. He desires to trade your sorrows for joy. We sang that earlier this morning. For those who grieve and for those whose wounds are deep, God wants, according to Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 3, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes, that is, a garment of praise instead of despair. But now let's go to Psalm 103. Because the psalmist who wrote the 103rd psalm knew what it meant to hurt. And yet, in spite of that, he writes for us who also know what it means to hurt the words of this great psalm that reads like this. My soul praises the Lord. All that is within me, praise His holy name. My soul, praise the Lord and do not forget all His benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. And your youth is renewed like the eagle. Man. I love that verse. I claim that verse. My youth renewed like the eagle. I can go for that. What a God we serve. God will bring healing at the point of our greatest need. And that healing comes by way of grace. How do we discover healing through God's grace? Well, let me answer that for you this morning. That's a very broad question to answer, but I'm going to try to do it by giving you four what I think to be essential truths that we need to cling tightly to. And the first is this, God can handle my guilt with his forgiveness. God can handle my guilt with his forgiveness. Proverbs 28.1 reads this way, the wicked flee when no one's pursuing them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Do you know what that means? Can I give you the the translation according to Terry? Here's what it means. You feel like you're guilty because you know what you've done. And that causes you to feel like you're being chased. You have become your own accuser. You know what you've done was wrong. And therefore, you flee even though the wicked aren't chasing you. (laughs) I remember hearing a story. I think it took place several years ago now. It took place in the Superior Court in San Diego, California. There were two men who were on trial for armed robbery. The prosecutor called an eyewitness to the stand at the men's trial and began his direct examination. And here's how it went. The prosecutor asked, You saw a vehicle leave the scene of the crime at a high rate of speed? The witness said, Yes, I did. The prosecutor then asked, You were at the scene of the robbery? Witness said, Yes, I was. Prosecutor said, Did you observe the occupants of the vehicle? Yes, I did. How many people were in the vehicle? Two. Prosecutor asked, Were they male or female? The witness said, Male. And then the prosecutor asked this question. Are those two men in this courtroom today? And before the witness could answer, both defendants raised their hands. (laughs) Don't you love it? But folks, here's my point. We need to admit it. At some point, we just have to raise our hands. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So let's just ask the question. How many of you have sinned? Well, I see what guilt does? <laughs> guilt works every time. You wait long enough, you keep your mouth shut long enough, and everybody will raise their hands. I did it. I did it. Well... If you did it, the Bible says once you've committed one sin, you're guilty of breaking all of God's law. I better give you the reference for that just in case you think I'm making that up. James said it in James chapter 2, verse number 10. He says, for whoever keeps the entire law and yet fails in one point, one point is guilty of breaking it all. So we've all sinned through our acts, things like lying or stealing. We've sinned through our attitudes, things like anger and lust and envy. And because we inherently understand that sin is what separates us from a holy God, the feelings of guilt will fall heavily on our souls and we cry out like David did in Psalm 38. verse. Number four, he said, My sins have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. That's what sin will do. It it, it heaps you down with so much that you'll eventually feel like you've been washed up, sucked in, and blown over. But there's a remedy. Uh, you know, I said we inherently understand that sin separates us from God. I, I like to look at guilt as being kind of like that that warning light that comes on every once in a while on the dashboard of your car. Now you can take it to George, and George can turn it off so you don't have to deal with it any longer. But that doesn't mean that there's not a problem that needs to be dealt with. We, we can try to ignore it all we want, but the problem is still there, and it's the equivalent of a check engine light in our soul coming on, telling us that we need to deal with the problem of our heart. And that problem is sin. That problem is guilt. Verse 3 of that 103rd Psalm says that God forgives all your sin. How many of you are glad for that this morning? How many of you are glad it's all and not just a few? All your sin. God forgives it. Now there are three important concepts in that phrase, God forgives all your sin. The first one is that God's forgiveness is continual. God doesn't forgive you just one time. He forgives you continually. If you're a student of the Bible, you'll find that that verse is written in what we call the present perfect tense. When you trust Jesus, He wipes your slate clean. He wipes your past clean. He takes care of your future sins. And He gives you grace for the present. And His forgiveness is kind of like the Energizer bunny. It just keeps going and going, and going. Thanks be to God for that. The psalmist David, he, he knew what that was about. That great 51st Psalm, he says, Against you, God, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. We need God's forgiveness to free us from our guilt. The third concept of that verse that God will forgive all your sins, is that God's forgiveness is far-reaching. He forgives all of our sins. No exclusions. (laughs) There's nothing that's not covered. I happen to be dealing with an issue at our house, something that, uh, you know, like an appliance repair. And, and, And so we quite some time ago, bought what's called a home warranty designed to cover those major breakdowns of major appliances. Any of you ever seen one of those warranties? Uh, The problem is the small print. If you read the small print you'll find that your home warranty excludes some of the high priority items. And I bring that to your attention because that's not the way God works. He covers it all. He covers it all. He promises to heal the guilt of all your sins no matter when they were committed or how severe they might have been. How does God deal with my sinful acts? How does God deal with my bad attitudes? How does he deal with my sinful nature? He forgives them all. Wipes the slate clean. Makes me a new creation. And my role, your role, our role is to simply ask him for the forgiveness that he offers. The book of Acts explains it in chapter 3 verse number 19. Dr. Luke says, therefore, repent and turn back to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many of you need some seasons of refreshing in your life? I've been praying that for the last three or four weeks. God, just just manifest seasons of refreshing upon Trinity Faith Church. God, let us experience... A new and afresh, the joy of sins forgiven, the joy of knowing that we belong to you, and the joy and hope of knowing that our future is secure. You see, God can relieve us of our guilt, we can have a guilt exchange with God. It's kind of the way I look at Isaiah chapter number 43, verse number 25. God says, it is I who sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Well, I wish I could forget them. But God chooses by an act of His will never to remember them, never to hold them against us again. That's how encompassing His forgiveness is. Christ paid the penalty for all of our sins. He can forgive us of all of our sins, past, present, future. And in exchange, we receive new life, new hope, new reason for living. And that brings us to the second thing that we need to understand. And this is probably where most of us who call ourselves church folk live more than anything else. God can handle any discouragement or my discouragement, with His help. God can handle my discouragement with His help. I came across this verse as I was studying this. I, I have never, I, I'm going to confess to you, I've read the Bible through I don't know how many times. I have never noticed this next verse, ever. It's found in Job chapter 5, verse number 7, and I love it. It reads, but mankind is born for trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. <laughs> Have you noticed that verse before? Man, that's, that's, that's great. This week I read about some folks who could surely testify to the, the truth of that. Here's the story. In fact, there's three stories real quickly. A fierce gust of wind blew 45-year-old Vittorio Luizzi's car into a river near Naples, Italy. He managed to break out a window, climb out, and swim to shore where a tree blew over and killed him. (laughs) Yeah, Jenny, I laugh too. It's probably not funny, but at the same time, it kind of illustrates that when it's your time, it's your time. Another story. Mike Stewart, 31, of Dallas, Texas was filming a public service movie about the dangers of low-level bridges. As he was standing on the back of a semi-truck filming, the truck passed under a low-level bridge, knocking him off and killing him. Yet another one, Walter Hallis, a 26-year-old store clerk in Leeds, England, was so afraid of dentists, boy, I can understand that, that he asked a fellow worker... To try to cure his toothache by punching him in the jaw. Where's Scotty? I could have helped you out with that last week, brother. <laughs> he asked his coworker to punch him in the jaw to cure his toothache. The punch knocked Mr. Hallis out, causing him to fall over, hit his head, and die of a fractured skull. Now, why am I telling you that? Does anybody here have problems? Sure we do. We all do. But it's hard to imagine anyone having more problems than the author of Psalm 103. We know him as King David. And what I'm saying to you is, you name it, David experienced it. Uh, It starts with the fact that he was considered to be the least in his family. I like to think of him as being the runt of the litter. And then when he was, after he was anointed to become the next king of Israel, the present king, Saul, continually tried to kill him. He had to run for his life for years just to keep Saul from killing him and to keep himself from having to kill Saul. One of his sons, Amnon, raped his half-sister, Tamar, and was later murdered by another one of David's sons, Absalom. Several years later, that same Absalom plotted against his father, King David, to take away his throne. And as a result, Absalom's life was taken. David's life was a life of turmoil. But he was brutally honest with God about how he felt. He let God know whenever he was experiencing times of trouble. He wrote a song about his experience with God. And that's Psalm 103. It's a song. That God is someone who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David is saying, God has forgiven all of my sins. He has healed me. He has redeemed me from the pit and crowned me with tender love and compassion. He has satisfied my desires and renewed my strength. Friends, you can plug your name into that. God will do that for you. He desires to do that for you. He wants us to remember one very important thing. God is bigger than whatever your problem might be. Let me say that again. God is bigger than whatever your problem might be. He is. Um, You might have come here today extremely discouraged. God can handle that. God can provide healing from whatever it is that's dragging you down. As I was researching and doing some Searching for illustrations to use in this sermon, I read about a man in a wheelchair. His mother was killed when he was a child. His father never knew how to show him love. So in his despair, he once decided he was going to dive into a river. But he discovered when he dove into the river that the river wasn't as deep as what he thought, and he became paralyzed from the neck down. After that, he became enslaved to drugs and alcohol, and because of the paralysis, it took him an hour just to get out of bed. He couldn't feed himself, go to the bathroom by himself. But several years after all of that happened, he gave his life to Jesus. And after two years under God's care, he exchanged his bitterness. He exchanged his hurt for God's love. This same man has now adopted 11 children in need of a home. At the present time, he's caring for four foster, child, foster children whom he hopes to eventually adopt. Oh, it still takes him an hour just to get out of bed, but he's making progress. He can now make himself a sandwich. Most importantly, he came to the realization that God was bigger than his enormous, gigantic problem. God's promise is that whenever His people are in need, He'll help. Again, David in Psalm 18.6 says, I called to the Lord in my distress, and I cried to God for, my help, for help from His temple. He heard my voice, and my cry to Him reached His ears. And then in verse number 9, He gives us the promise. He parted the heavens and came down. God will move heaven and earth to help you in your time of need. He can handle whatever discouragement you're facing with His help. Thirdly, He can handle your anxiety with His provision. That's the third truth that we have to hold on to. (coughs) Again, question. Any of you here ever worry? Four of us. We all have, haven't we? A lot of us worry about our needs being met. God's promises to meet our anxiety with His provision. Again, in verses 4 and 5 of Psalm 103, it says, He, speaking of God, crowns you with faithful love and compassion and satisfies you with goodness. So God promises not only to meet our basic needs, but to meet our deepest needs. To provide us with His love and His tender mercy. Our God is Jehovah Jireh. A God who provides. Now, I've had to work on my own tendency to worry through the years. Particularly after entering full-time ministry now 27 years ago. And Brenda and I certainly discovered that, that God surrounds us with love and tender mercy, fills our life with good things. But when we went into the ministry, I was anxious. I still struggle with that now from time to time, but I've kept praying and kept trusting, and God has never failed. But let me get very specific to, with you. It was October 4th, 1992. We had just accepted our first senior pastorate position at Sunlight Community Church in Rowlett, Texas. Our girls were 15, 13, and 9. Not the ideal age to uproot their lives from what they had known their entire lives in rural southwest Kansas. But we did. Rowlett, Texas is a suburb on the northeast side of Dallas... And at that time, the school district for Rallet was Rockwall, Texas. Rockwall, Texas was a very affluent school district in which it was not uncommon to see students who attended there uh, and staff who taught there drive their Mercedes, their BMWs, and other models of convertibles and pricey cars to school every day. Somewhat different than Satana, Kansas in 1992. Uh, We had accepted the pastorate late in the month of September and had agreed to move our entire lives from southwest Kansas to the thriving metro area of Dallas, Texas. Now, being a small church, Sunlight Community Church had offered us a salary of $27,000 per year, which in 1992 was not all that unreasonable if you lived in southwest Kansas. But if you lived in Dallas and had kids in the Rockwall School District, it was going to be tight. But we didn't want money to keep us from being in the divine center of God's will. So we agreed to do that, and in all honesty, we weren't exactly in high demand anywhere else. They they were willing to take us on as, as their pastors, and so... We accepted the offer. We accepted the position. And the first Sunday morning was October 4th, 1992. I was in their pulpit as a senior pastor for the first time. We had a good service. But prior to the service, a board member had told me that following the service that morning, we needed to have a meeting just to discuss a few things. Now, I'm assuming, being new, being my first Sunday there, that it probably had to do with tax situations. Perhaps talking to us about the moving expense involved with our move from southwest Kansas to Dallas. But I was in for a surprise. The meeting was to inform me that they had made a huge mistake in the calculations for our salary. Regrettably and very apologetically, they let me know that they were going to have to cut my salary by 25%. Now, I promise you, the message that morning was not that bad. (laughs) Now, now $27,000 a year in Dallas, Texas was cutting it close. $21,250 a year with three kids and already having secured a $900 per month house to rent was next to impossible. But here we were. We'd moved our entire lives to the Dallas area. We were in the middle of trying to wind up our farming interests back here in Kansas, which meant settling with the IRS on the proceeds from a farm equipment sale. We took upon ourselves our first pastorate, which literally had snatched me from a lifelong comfort zone to embark upon a high and noble calling from God. You talk about living from paycheck to paycheck. We were living from paycheck to plastic. Uh, We had to buy groceries with a credit card just to keep food on the table. But I want you to hear me very close on this. Through it all, there was one area that we never compromised in. We would get our monthly paycheck, meager as it might have been, And we would give to God, as we had always done, the first 10% our tithe. Because we wanted to live in obedience to what God had commanded. Let me just tell you, could we afford to tithe? We couldn't afford not to. (laughs) Reality was, we couldn't afford to, but what we knew was we couldn't afford not to. And so we continued to do that. And within a few short months, having survived several parenting crises with our oldest daughter, we received a call asking us if we might be interested in coming to a little country church up by Gainesville, Texas to preach on Sunday evenings because we didn't have church at sunlight on Sunday evenings. They let us know that they would pay for our travel, and give us an offering if we would consider doing that for them. And I was like, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll pray about it and get back to you. That was right before I said, yeah, we'll be there next Sunday. Not only did that help our financial situation, but eventually it led to us leaving that little church in Rowlett and becoming pastors of Shady Grove Church just outside of Gainesville, Texas, the most wonderful, loving, generous bunch of country folk you'd ever want to meet. Now I share that with you this morning to let you know that if you are obedient to God and you prioritize God's kingdom above everything else, all these other things will be added unto you. Seek you first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness. And all these things. All these things. You obey His commands. And He'll provide for your needs. God is faithful. Psalm again. Psalm 37, 25 was proven by that situation over and over and over again. The psalmist said, I've been young and I'm now old. Yet have I not seen the righteous abandoned, nor his seed out begging bread. He will not forsake his righteous people. People who walk in obedience to his word. If you're anxious this morning about having enough, God will meet your needs. He wants to surround your life with love and with mercy to fill your life with good things. And he can handle your anxiety with his provision. Philippians 4.19 My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I don't care what the bank's name is in heaven, that's a lot of riches. He'll supply according to His riches. That brings me to my fourth and final point God can handle my weariness with His rest. There are times in my life when I feel extremely tired. These past three or four weeks, in which I spent two of those weeks very sick, are prime examples of what I'm getting ready to share with you. My body, my mind, my spirit get weary. And I found that the only thing that I can do during those times and those seasons... Is to trust God. <laughs> I don't say that lightly. I mean, we, we say that lightly sometimes. That Oh, I'll just trust God. Let me tell you what, friends. When you have no strength, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and you are weary to the bone, you don't take trusting God lightly. You put Him to the test. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 40, verses 28 through 31, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh, the Lord, is the everlasting God, the Creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There's no limit to His understanding. He gives strength to the weary. Strengthens the powerless. Youth may faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. They that wait upon the Lord. Quickly, two things from that particular passage Number one, we learn that everyone gets tired sometimes. Number two, God is never too tired to help those who are worn out or discouraged. Even strong people get tired. Even strong people. God, But God is never too drained to help and to listen. He's the one who is constantly watching over us. He never gets tired. He never sleeps. We sang it a while ago. He is our everlasting God. You may be here exhausted this morning. Jesus offers you rest from that weariness. From your fatigue, He invites you to come to Him and to receive His rest. Matthew says it in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, the words of Jesus, Come to Me, all who are weary and overly burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up My yoke and learn from Me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. When we were pastoring in Wichita, we had a large contingent of people from the country of India who were attending Wichita State University and who were part of the Chi Alpha program there, who attended our church. It was a wonderful church. We had 69 nations of birth represented at Maranatha. Wonderful place. But in particular, some of those Indian students were... We're special, special people. Think of Avi. I think of, think of uh, uh, Vinay. And, and I, I was visiting with with Avi once. Uh, uh, probably a, one of the nicest men I've ever met. And he told me that back home in India, if you're walking down a rural road, you'll occasionally come across a post with a sturdy shelf about shoulder height. And that place is called a somatonga, which literally means a resting place. So you're walking down the road, you get tired, you want to rest for a while, you put your elbow on the signpost and rest for a while. But here's what he also told me. He said that for them, for him, Jesus... Is his somatonga. And what he meant by that was. If if you're traveling with a heavy load. Instead of placing your load on the shelf for relief or your elbow. You can continue your journey with his somatonga. Because Jesus. Becomes your burden bearer. Don't you love that? Somehow, as I was putting this message together this last Monday, in my office, for some silly reason, I kept thinking of an old nursery rhyme that pretty much sums up the predicament that we all have. We learned that nursery rhyme at an early age, and it describes for us how hurts can debilitate us. You can say it with me Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty. Had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Now, I confess to you, I probably hadn't said that for 60 years. So I had to look up to make sure I was doing it right. And when I looked up that nursery rhyme to see if I had it right, I found something else, written by David Dykes, senior pastor at Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, who wrote an additional verse to the Humpty Dumpty nursery rhyme. That really makes it make sense. And here's how he writes it: Jesus Christ came to your wall, and on the cross. He died for your fall. Regardless of death, and in spite of your sin, through grace, He can put you together again. Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful for that? <laughs> There's times when we all feel broken. By the hurts that we've suffered, we feel like Humpty Dumpty that no one can put us back together again. But, friends, when we come to God recognizing our weakness, which, by the way, He already knows, and you just confess it to Him God, I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling washed up, I'm feeling sucked in to the point of being blown over. And you start professing His strength along with confessing your weakness, confessing your sin and professing His righteousness, confessing your lack and professing His wealth. You will find the process of healing that his grace will bring to all who will ask and receive. Worship team, would you come, please? Jesus, thank you for coming to my wall. Thank you for rescuing me from my fall. Thank you for taking the broken pieces of my life at various times throughout the course of my life and making something beautiful, God. That's a testimony to what you can do with vessels who are yielded to you through Jesus this morning. God, I've been praying this entire week for people in our congregation who I know have experienced brokenness. They've been experiencing hurts. Some of them have been dealing with hurts that were inflicted upon them as children. And in many cases, those hurts were inflicted by an earthly father, and it has cast a bad image toward their view of a heavenly father as a result. And dear Jesus, as I've been praying throughout the course of this week, I'm praying, dear Jesus, that again, that this would be the day that they find their healing that you can take all of those broken pieces, all of those hurts and put them back together and use them for your glory God, you know that there are things in, in Brenda and my life in our marriage that we wouldn't wish upon our worst enemy things from the past God, we've seen you take those things. we seen you take those things, God, and put them back together and use those experiences that we had to help others struggling with similar situations. God, that's what I'm praying for today. praying to God that if there are people here this morning whose past hurts just seem to fester once in a while and crop up again in their current life and drag them down and discourage them that you be their healer today Jesus that you would tear, tear down all the walls of pride that keep them from just coming to you and, and just burying themselves before you. Coming to you as their only source of help. Maybe they've spent money for counselors. Maybe they've spent time Maybe they've spent time, God, going to even Christian counselors to try to Try to help them with their hurt. God, all of those things are good, but you are the healer. You're their only source of hope. God, help them to offer their brokenness to you today. Let them experience your healing so that life as it has been Forever change Jesus. Worship team, would you sing that chorus, please? These altars are open. I'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you. I see your healing brought to pass.
1: Thank you. know the desire of our heart, Jesus. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Lord, thank you for those who have come to seek your healing this morning. Dear Jesus, as they as they continue to trust in you for the answers for which they seek. Lord, we promise that when those answers become apparent as apparent as the sun rising in the east every morning, all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise will go to you. Thank you for your healing, Jesus. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your provision. Lord, if there are others who for whatever reason did not come forward to this altar, God, it's not in coming to the altar that brings their healing. It's in their trusting in you. And I pray that for whatever reason they didn't choose to come to the altar, that they will still receive your healing. Just by virtue of having given their situation in its entirety to you, Jesus. Let them experience healing grace. And God, as you placed upon my heart this past week, there are people in our congregation, God, who are still hurting from losses that they've suffered in their life perhaps a child or a brother or a sister a dear friend and god that grief has just overwhelmed them to the point that they've they've removed themselves from your service feeling that they have nothing to offer pray for their healing this morning, Jesus. That your tender love and your compassion would strengthen them and make them as youth rising up on eagles' wings. Heal them, Jesus, I pray. Lord, thank you for your presence in this service this morning. And as we leave this place where we've experienced your presence, may we take your presence with us wherever we go. May we just bask in your glory, Jesus. May we experience those seasons of refreshing that come from the throne of God in our lives in this week, in this coming week, in the weeks that follow. In Jesus'
1: name.